on. Jim Joyce, a different week, a different background and setting for you. Yep, I'm in lovely uh, South Boston, the right. the neighborhood of many, many an Irish immigrant <laughs> for many years. I'm at the Health Beacon headquarters for the U.S. How are you? Awesome, good, good. I'm um, I'm I'm in the Your Coach headquarters slash DTX podcast <laughs> um, studio slash kitchen. Um, <laughs> yeah, I like um, the setup. I like the setup. Looking good. Looking yeah, good. <laughs> I haven't I haven't used this in a while, but I just I, I just did a recording for the for you know for the podcast that I'm cheating on you with, uh, which is the DTX podcast. Yeah. So uh, I figured I'd stick around here and and show that I am a professional, even though this is meticulously unproduced. Yeah, I, so. I just listened to it. I listened to Cool Deep, uh, you know, so uh, it, yeah. it's come. I love, I love it. The series, I think, is coming together really, really well. It's kind of a must listen, as I've said on on, on podcasts for anyone, for our millions of visitors, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give you a hint. There's a lot more listeners to the other podcast. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> yeah, I don't know listen, why. I, think we, yeah. I don't know why. Yeah, but. it's proper. It's properly produced and marketed and uh, you know distributed. <laughs> Fair, fair point, fair just... point, fair point. So, you know, um, maybe just a quick, uh, quick comment. We used to kind of start this with like a funding round of something, or right. and um, I don't know. I just I I don't keep track of it at all anymore, and it, I just kind of focused on execution and other things. Yeah, I, I think there's two things. It's like the stage our companies are at, like my company's so busy. So the actual like kind of motions of like your company. And then the other thing is, is like the whole conference circuit and, you know, the amount of time we spend with other colleagues is a bit stunted still, even though we've been in a lot of events. Yeah, just is like it's almost too much to digest at one time, you know. So I, I think that's what's going on. Plus, you know, uh, I think we always give a shout out to Matthew and Jess. You know, the health tech deals yep. is where it's at. You know, nobody. I think you said it to me another time. Like nobody's looking at Jim and I to give an update on <laughs> on on funding. So, um, but um, yeah. With that, um, I think this is our last episode in season ten. This is ten ten. Ten ten wins. It. We did it. We did it. We did it. <laughs> we did we're, it. We're, we're going to uh, let our guest in and we're going to ask him a, a, a crazy ass question now. So hold on. So um, I'm going to let in Amea Fatke. Um, Amea and I okay. met, I want to say through Jonas and Kaya, maybe. Right, Amea? We're just talking uh, how we met. I think it's through Jonas, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe not. I don't know. I thought it, was, I thought it might have been Startup Health. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe. And then we kind of found the, the common, I mean, there's many common paths, right? Yeah. You know, a, a digital innovator in pharma. So that's your one line entrance. But Jim, Amea, Amea, Jim, you guys are both in B-Town, actually. So, you know, you can- Oh, interesting. Her. Yeah. Um, it, is the sound quality okay, by the way? My other headphone was starting it's, to sound pretty awful. So this is a spare. So let's see if this one actually... It's, cle it's clear. It's okay. clear. It's clear. It's, cl it's clear enough for a meticulously <laughs> unproduced show. So it's good enough. <laughs> don't don't hedge a compliment there. It's clear. It looks great. <laughs> no worries. Uh, Jim, nice to meet you. What, what part of town are you in? I'm in South Boston. I was just okay. uh, telling our, our listeners. Where are you, Cambridge? Uh, well, so I'm, I'm in our office in uh, downtown Boston, so the right okay. financial district, yep. Okay, not too far, not too far. 
Welcome. Be before we go into the geographic matching of beers <laughs> or something for later, um, Amaya, welcome to the shot. Uh, I know you and I have been actually, even though meticulously unproduced, we've been talking about you being on for a bit. You are the closer of season 10. So this is 10, 10, oh, man. 10, 10 wins. So, you know, no pressure. Um, the big lift. I'll do my best. <laughs> for the, you know, for the millions of listeners uh, and, and watchers, uh, tell them all who Amaya is. Give us a little, a little juicy stuff. Your background, professional, yeah, personal. I, I, don't, I don't know how juicy it is, but, uh, you know, I'll do my best. Um, so I uh, so I like to describe myself as someone who is hopefully helping a, uh, a pharma company, which I'll talk in a little bit, um, enter kind of this new phase of, of medicine where, you know, people are looking beyond just molecules and biologics to, to treat medications. People are actually seriously considering how we can leverage behavior uh, to actually treat chronic conditions. Uh, and so in that role, I like, so my actual title is, um, you know, I head up our non-pharmacological solutions um, work. Um, but again, my, and we, you know, I know we can certainly talk about this because there's a lot of really interesting innovation models out there. But, you know, my view is this is, it's another class of treatments. And so my goal is hopefully to, uh, to help the company really prep, you know, really prep for this emerging new class of treatments. Um, with that, I will, you know, have to give you kind of the obligatory disclaimer that, um, you know, we, I will talk about some of the work we're doing. Yeah, you know this, you know, being in pharma, um, but obviously, you know, the opinions uh, that I express are, are my own and may not necessarily reflect those of, of my employer. 100%. I, 100%. I don't think we've had that in a hundred and something. Episodes. Really? I love it. I no, you know what? We, 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 because we're meticulously unproduced, we're going to, we're not going to cut it out, but I love right. it. Uh, but, but you told us. I tell my, now. I tell my wife. I tell my wife right regularly that my opinions that I express are not often my own as well. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> They're Eugene's. You throw me under the bus all the time. I know it. I know. It. I just it was it was a re, it was a received opinion. It was a received. Emmy, it no, but wasn't we, me. Was, Emmy, it wasn't me. You know, we'll, we'll stay in safe zone here. So no uh, worries. It's so, all good. <laughs> um, Amaya, so you told us what you do now. But rewind back. What got you to where you are now, right? Like, you know, I, I... So this was totally, this is totally planned. You know, I looked at, you know, it was something that I really artfully, you know, crafted. Um, and we all know that's a complete load of, we know that's a complete load of whatever. Um, no, I mean, for, I think, I think like pretty much every person that you speak to in this industry, I think there are a, uh, a bunch of kind of serendipitous moves, which, you know, I call them happy accidents that just ended up uh, working out well. So I actually started out as a scientist, um, you know, did a PhD in bioengineering, um, spent a lot of time, uh, first gig in industry was with a large med tech company, spent a lot of time working on things like glucose biosensors and continuous glucose monitoring. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where I actually got really interested, not just in the technical side, but, you know, hey, there's, you know, a whole human aspect of, you know, will people use these things? How do you turn these from scientific concepts into, um, you know, a real, a real product, a real business? Um, and right around then, I also realized, I think I enjoyed the commercial side a lot more. I just, you know, the, uh, I think it gave a lot more freedom in terms of creativity and uh, especially in kind of health tech, which is, this was back in 2012, it was really, um, you know, not anywhere near kind of what it is today. Um, spent a lot of time in genomics, uh, you know, really helping the company think about a genomic strategy, had a crash course in digital health. And so, I mean, I thought that was really interesting because it was, uh, yeah, I was, you know, blessed to be in a group that had people that had both the technical, but also kind of a, a strategy and consulting background. Um, 
And as you know, I mean, I think you can't really have one without the other. And I think when you try to do them in a vacuum, that's when, you know, disaster can, can hit where, you know, you can have something that, uh, you know, might look like a fabulous business case on paper and doesn't obey the laws of physics. Or on the other hand, something that's really interesting technically, but nobody really cares about. And so this is right. a really interesting experience because, you know, I got to work with kind of other people that had kind of both hats on. Then um, spent several years at a... Um, at an earlier stage company um, called Seven Bridges, where we really, you know, really thinking about the market strategy and how to kind of monetize. And again, genomics was really big back then um, and a very different stage. Um, but what I also noticed, you know, we did a lot of work with Pharma and I started to notice some patterns, um, some good, some not so good in terms of how pharma companies tend to engage um, tech companies. And this was kind of back in 2015. I say back, and it was only like five or six years ago. I, I was going to say, crazy it's like yesterday. <laughs> it's crazy. It's like crazy how much things can change in like it five was years, right? One pandemic ago. One pandemic ago. <laughs> yeah, it was pre, pre-COVID, pre-COVID and post-COVID, right? Um, but, you know, around then, you know, so Kesey wanted someone to really help them understand how to bring in these kinds of partnerships. Um, and, you know, we, you know, you know, I think we we uh, we had a bit of a freedom to do a kind of a bit of a contrarian approach, and so I've been doing that for for about five years. Started out in kind of business development, um, and then grew a little bit more to also own a little bit of the of the strategy as well. So it's 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 been a fun and crazy ride, I'll tell you that. Right. And what's your take right now? Just 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 more broadly, having that window, like you know, what do you what do you broadly think about the digital health sector right now? Like, what are you seeing? How are you feeling? Oh. You know, stock market is doing fantastically well, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's, um, you know, I think, you know, the pandemic was kind of a weird world, right? Where in some cases, what companies were valued at kind of just broke away from just good old fashioned fundamentals. And, you know, I think we're starting to see a return to that. Uh, but the problems that they solved haven't gone away, right? And so the problems that they solve, both from kind of a patient viewpoint, as well as from a, even from a, from a health system, health economics viewpoint, those haven't really changed, right? And that, so I think, I suspect, you know, the companies that are actually mission focused um, and hopefully are, are run well, will, you know, I think we'll make it through this period. Um, you know, I think the companies who, you know, there are companies out there where, you know, the reality is their, their real product is their stock. And I think those are the ones that, um, may run into a little bit of a sticky situation. Um, but I think we're in a vertical that where, um, you know, the problems don't go away. In some cases, they get even worse. And so, um, you know, yeah. I'm optimistic. So, you know, if, first of all, I want to, I want to, you said something very quickly, kind of just breezed over that you did like a digital health crash course. What? Is, mm. what oh, yeah, you? that was basically, that wasn't really, it was. Are, aren't you living that life? As, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, the whole world, this is, you know, COVID was a digital digital crash course for, you know, some of the places. No, this was really, um, and the company had wanted to do a little bit of work in digital health. And so they said, hey, you don't seem like you know anything about digital health, figure it out. Um, and so, um, yeah, that was, you know, I think, it, in my view, I think, you know, the goal of the hope and the goal is for the word digital to eventually disappear, you know, so like, we don't say e-commerce anymore, we just say commerce. And you know, I like to tell people, you know, my hope and goal is, you know, when we think of things like digital therapeutics, the digital part just goes away and they're just considered therapeutics. You, you mean you don't use the word cyber commerce? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's always fun to look back at words and say, oh man, we actually used to say that stuff. 
yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, but, you know, Eugene's career is, is so, you know, his communications career is so based around digital health, Eugene, what do you think? <laughs> I'm, I, I'm happy to drop digital, um, just, just health, actually expand, expands the audience, it expands the audience, so uh, right, that, right. that's for sure. Right. But, um, you know, uh, I just sort of, you know, it's been two and a half-ish years since I left Big, Big Pharma. I honestly still... Right. I, I actually feel like it was a lot. I don't know if it was a yeah. lot less or more. I don't know what to feel, but uh, I feel I like still, it was a life knowing you is it. Well, it, it feels like a lifetime ago, you know, I, I mean, definitely <laughs> like I just, you know, I feel invigorated. You've done that's, a lot. That's one thing. I, a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but anyway, um, you know, the reason I'm bringing this up is obviously I'm still in touch with many of the old colleagues, uh, you know, within them. I mean, you know, Maya, you and I chat all the time. Right. And many others. Yeah. I do feel that um, I think, and I think we're dropping the fact that we can't say COVID anymore on this show, right? I, right. I know I try right. to do the whole C thing, but anyway. <laughs> so I, I do think in the last two, two and a half years that, you know, at least I've left, like I've been seeing pharma more proactive, at least. Again, I don't know if it's real dollars, euros, you know, whatever other currencies that are being put in. But I actually want to maybe collaborate upon um, was, I think, a unique proposition for a privately held small company like Kiesi to do a deal with Kaya and COPD. I, I tried don't know, also. I don't, know how, I don't know if you call us small. I mean, you know, but anyway. Well, it's all, <laughs> like relative. It's it's all relative. It's all relative, right? Relative, so, yeah. Fair. Yeah, yeah. Relatively small. Relative yeah. to other big 10, let's call it that way, or big five. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or okay. magnitude. Yeah. Um, so maybe I, I would love to actually talk a little bit like what was that journey, right? Because to your point, yeah. I mean, you're looking at this as a non-molecular, you know, companies, you know, life sciences companies, no molecules. And it was always a struggle, especially with like I, you know, tell us a little bit more about it. It's just fascinating. Yeah, I, I think so. And that was, I mean, it's, it's, it was an initiative that was and is still very kind of near and dear to my heart. I mean, I've become you know, good friends to a number of the folks at Kaya through the process. And, you know, so if you fast forward to a few years ago, or not fast forward, sorry, rewind, um, to a few years ago, when you, you know, at that point, a lot of times, you know, digital and pharma was essentially synonymous with putting a connected device on some kind of medication delivery mechanism, right? Whether it's an injection pen, um, an inhaler, if you're in respiratory, whatever, it was measuring medication adherence. Um, and that was, that took a huge amount of focus uh, of the pharma industry. At the same time, you know, one of the things that we did on our end was, you know, yes, you know, certainly that is, that is a, a tough nut to crack, but is that the only thing that, um, that, you know, say patients with COPD um, are suffering from? And the reality is no, right? I mean, I think even in kind of a perfectly medication adherent world, I think you still would see, um, you, you still would see a lot of the issues that they're facing. So, and that was also part of a mindset shift, which was, you know, are we really in the business of, of just of medications? Or are we really in the business of improving the lives of patients? And then if so, are there other ways you can do that? even if those aren't directly linked to, to medication. Right. And so, hmm. um, you know, so we, I mean, because the way we look at it, you know, we, we certainly know medications extremely well. Um, but we also know extremely well, you know, we, we have, you know, we have the channels to connect with physicians, patient associations, um, you know, even payers and governmental authorities. And so, you know, we really look at it as, 
are there any kind of really interesting, meaningful, um, and, you know, legitimate innovations out there that kind of fit within this framework? And so, you know, the process I generally use is, you know, I kind of do a little bit of a Venn diagram exercise where I say, okay, is there an obvious unmet medical need, right? One that is, you know, people are just screaming about for whatever reason, just seems to fall through the cracks. Then is there a company that has actually solved or appears to solve that? Um, and then is, is it also just a company that appears from a cultural fit? Is there a cultural fit? Is one that I can't, I can't stress the last one enough, right? I mean, I don't think enough companies focus on the third piece. And so, you know, we looked at the first one. We said, okay, well, lack of access to pulmonary rehabilitation is, 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 is a big problem in COPD, right? And, you know, the clinical societies will regularly stress that. Um, and for, for a number of reasons. Um, and, you know, I was kind of just, because you know, this was, you know, Several years ago, you were starting to see digital therapeutics emerge in, in diabetes. You're seeing them emerge in mental health. And I was kind of just scratching my head saying, you know, clearly something like Sophia, there's a strong behavioral angle to it. Why the heck has no one done anything about this? And then kind of just by serendipity, you know, I saw, you know, my newsfeed, I think that was, you know, Kaya basically announced, they'd, they'd done an announcement about the study that they did for the feasibility yep. study. And so I basically just, you know, so we were already thinking about things like pulmonary rehabilitation. And then I just reached out to, um, I, it was literally just a cold reach out to Constantine, the Kaya CEO and said, Hey, oh, wow. um, I did yeah. not know you guys were working in COPD. And then, um, so that was kind of how it started. So it was, it was very serendipitous. Right. And then, um, I, I love serendipity. I, yeah. I, I think there's gotta be a science to serendipity, but <laughs> screw it. Serendipity. But, I'll take it. <laughs> but I've sometimes they say it's better to be love, lucky than good, right? Yeah, but I love the fact that, I mean, in some ways it wasn't because you, you know, you were keeping your eyes and ears, you know, uh, your eyes open, your ears open, whatever the expression is, and you saw an organization and you took the initiative. And, you know, that's kind of, you know, that's, you know, fair dues to you. You know, you wouldn't get, you know, a lot of times inside these big, you know, bigger companies like yourselves, like, you know, people wouldn't feel empowered to kind of reach out and go talk to that. You know, what if I, you know, imply something or wherever? Yeah. So why is it that you have this kind of, that did you feel that, you know, did well, you feel like you had the latitude or is it just your nature? Yeah, I think a combination of both. So I think one of the really interesting things is because we are a, um, you know, even despite our size, we are still very much a, a family controlled company. Um, and so, you know, I, you know, I, I have the, I've, you know, I've had the pleasure of working with, uh, with one of them for several years, when he was head of corporate development. And so, um, you know, I think it's, it's a nice thing where, because, you know, because of that, you know, we can, you know, we can play kind of long and we can think contrarian, um, you know, because again, there's a much smaller pool of people that um, are, you know, direct, direct, direct owners of the company. And right. so a lot of it was, I think, just, you know, talking to them and just having a strong relationship with the folks at the executive team. And, you know, I think the model that we really strive to, to, to leverage at Hiazi is not to kind of build a standalone dedicated um, digital health business unit, um, but rather do it in a way that looks, you know, my job is to give the core business solutions that um, fit in their portfolio that allow them to kind of address the needs of the patients that they serve, right? And so I think getting, you know, that's, that's one of the other things, right, is like, we, you know, pretty much in every journal, this one was no, no exception was, you know, working with kind of the global marketing, the commercial folks, you know, running it by them and saying, Hey, this use case seems pretty compelling. Um, you know, what are your thoughts here? And trying to do all, all that stuff up front, which, you know, obviously means, you know, 
number of deals or number of partnerships you do is going to be smaller, but, you know, focus for us is quality versus quantity. So doing the small number of partnerships, but one where the core business is like on, on board at the very beginning um, is that's kind of our approach. It's a little bit more conservative, but you know, it's one that I think at least for us seems to, seems to work quite well. And so it was really, you know, you know, we brought the folks in at the country level um, which also I think is really important because you often see an approach where, you know, really expensive um, consultants will sell this vision and then it kind of just gets pushed down to the countries and the countries say, well, this doesn't take any of the realities into the account. What do you want us to do with this? Um, so we actually did a lot of work up front to also figure out if yeah. we were to do this, you know, what, you know, what, how, what, what could such a collaboration look like? How can we involve the folks at the country level um, at the very beginning, you know, really share the ownership with those folks? Because ultimately they're the ones that are actually going to make things happen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think, and in, in parallel, I think to their credit, you know, I think having a very interactive discussion with, you know, and Jonas was the guy who was leading the talks on the Kaya side um, and understanding, you know, how can we figure out a framework of a partnership that, um, you know, has a common vision, um, but obviously is, is one that is, is beneficial to both parties, right? And at that point, we didn't even know if there was grounds or room for partnership. But, you know, the general approach was, um, you know, from, from our end was, well, if, if it doesn't materialize into something, hopefully at least, um, hopefully at least, uh, you know, Kyle looks right. back and says, well, we were better off having gone through the discussion and, and vice versa, um, yep. which, which I, that, I think that report just really helped you, as well. You know, you, you hit something kind of a nail in the head around just even speaking the same language, right? Um, kind of the big company and a startup. Um, and I know it's funny because I was actually somewhat critical. Um, Naomi, they launched, um, this woman, Naomi, they launched the Farm Stars as an accelerator specifically focused on kind of the startups um, in the pharma world. I, I'm actually very convin- convinced now that that's still needed, that language translation, what kind of you and Jonas mm. did, right? And so teaching the lingo uh, and, and being on right. the same page is super important. Um, well, and I think, I think another key part of it, and to their credit, you know, a lot of times when a earlier stage company, um, whether they're a startup or not, an earlier, smaller tech company, when they speak to kind of a larger pharma player, um, there tends to kind of the pharma player tends to be put on a pedestal, right? So it's a it's a superior talking to an inferior. Um, you know, to their credit, Kaya very much approached Kaya did not do that, right? They they very much approached this as a as a collaborative discussion between two equals. Um, they they kept us honest in discussions, which I'm I'm very thankful for. And um, yeah, I think ultimately, I think the idea was. You know, what are the things that we bring to the table? What are the things that we don't bring to the table and, and right. vice versa? Um, and it's, 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 been, it's been a fantastic journey. I mean, I, you know, and I think um, it's one that folks even internally have been just really galvanized by also just because it is, it is somewhat contrarian, right? I think it was, it was the first time a pharma company was focusing so heavily on something purely non-pharmacological, you know, that didn't rely on things like mm. medication adherence as a way to bring value to patients, at least, at least in things like COPD. And so right. it was, yeah. um, it, t- it took a leap of faith. It took a leap of faith for sure. And do you have a philosophy? Like, I think, you know, when, like when we were just coming onto the, the, the shot here and we, you know, Eugene and I started talking about, okay, like what's happening in the industry or deals. And sometimes yeah. we might riff about that, but we feel a little like it's almost like those days are over because it's such a, a broad space now, like digital health deals and activities yeah. and you can't really, but still traction is, you know, is, can be 
you know, kind of un, you yeah. know, what's the word kind of like unrealized, well, right? What's, what's your view on market traction and adoption right now when you think about this? Like, where's your head at that? Yeah, well, so I think, um, and this is kind of in a gradual progression, right? So I think looking back a few years ago, when you look at some of the deals that um, some of the Japanese pharma players did with digital therapeutics, those in my mind where that was the catalyst, right? Because that was the first, those deals were structured not like, uh, you know, company building an app for a pharma company, right? But rather, they were structured as therapeutic asset deals. Um, so in my mind, it was the first time, at least in the public domain that I've seen, that um, companies were developing, um, that companies were really kind of developing um, these or looking at these as, as therapeutics, less, the, less focused on the digital, more focused on the therapeutic part. You know, I think since then, and this was since then, we've kind of seen a lot of um, other interesting movements, even from the national authority side. So when you think of what's going on in Germany around, around the DBG, you know, some, of the, some of the work that the NHS has been doing. Um, so I think what we're starting to see is, um, I think a consensus that these things can work. Um, now it's more about how do you actually operationalize them into the routine degree, into routine kind of care system, right? And obviously, I think certain places are have, are better about that than others. But in my mind, I think it's a, you know, because five, six years ago, when you thought like the concept of digital therapeutics, it's software could create kind of measurable improvements in health and behavior change was still very, it was still very out there, right? Mm. It's, I think, especially now with the body of clinical research, you know, we're not there yet, but I think, I, I think we've, we've really done a lot in terms of retiring that does it, can it work part? And now it's more, I think now a lot of the work is now on how do you actually operationalize it? So it's going to be a gradual progression. Um, but I mean, in my mind, you know, I see, I see as these behavioral treatments as kind of the next class of treatments, right? You had small molecules and biologics and cell therapies, and now you have behavioral treatments. You're just going after therapeutic modalities that we just haven't been able to in a scalable way until now. So um, mm-hmm. I, I, it's, you know, is it moving as fast as anyone would like? No, it never does, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think we're, I think the conversations are shifting in, in a positive way where people are really thinking about the minutia that maybe a few years ago people hadn't bothered thinking about. Yeah. Mm. You know, so, something to think about, though, you know, do we want it to move faster? Yes. But if we really think about the FDA was established in 1906 or something or 1905, right? Um, and so if you think about just digital therapy, yeah. it's been a little over a decade, right, only so on a, again, back to everything is relative, right? Um, uh, on the scale. So while we all yep. want, want to move faster, um, you know. Well, and only, I think, yeah. I, and there's a, there's a price to speed. I think there's a, you know, do you want to do something fast or do you want to do something right? And sometimes, you know, the two aren't necessarily the same, right? And so, you know, if, you know, like my kind of hope and dream, again, with this kind of the digital part gradually just disappearing from even them just being seen as therapeutics, which is, it's not about just convincing, um, you know, the, you know, the, the research physician, the person that sits at an elite academic medical center, that's like, you know, always a conference, like really up, up in depth. How do you convince kind of the community physician who, who may not necessarily be as research focused, how do you convince that person um, that these kinds of treatments are, have their place in, in a patient's treatment plan? 
and that there it's not just a sizzle and it's not just a passing sizzle that and that takes time i mean it just takes time right and so um you know i that to me i think is is the name of the game and, and that that may mean that um you know maybe things go a little bit slower but you know i feel like slow and steady is far better than kind of the big peak and then just the crash down <laughs> agreed you know, th- there's one, uh, I don't know, Jim, if, if you had, more, I, I can keep diving into it. So we've seen, you know, over, I'd say, let's call it a decade in, in life sciences and pharma, it's this motion of like centralized, decentralized, especially, yep. you know, yes, as a whole, but even more so in the last few years around digital teams, right? Like yep. back to your earlier comment, like, you know, is it e-commerce or just or cyber commerce <laughs> um, or just commerce, right? Is it, um, you know, new product development, digital development, or is it just product development, right? So I'm curious on kind of your thoughts, because we've seen yeah. the pendulum swinging um, on the whole centralization. I, so it's interesting. I mean, I think, I don't think it has to be an either or. I think, um, you know, I've seen, you know, I, I think there can be a place for kind of both these. I think you just have to be very clear about what you as a company want to achieve with whatever team structure you're doing, right? So just example, if if the goal is to kind of be a little bit more exploratory, um, you know, maybe the centralized sequestered model works a little bit better. Um, but if the goal is really execution, you know, when you think of, you know, especially these multinational company co- companies where they, you know, they're situated in a number of different markets with very dramatically different healthcare delivery systems. You know, I think not empowering kind of your country level teams that are in that day in and day out, understand the minutia, um, that to me would be a mistake, right? And so I think you, I think the other thing you really have to consider is there's a huge risk when you kind of build a kind of standalone sequestered digital health unit um, that you're, there's a real risk of it kind of being in having an adversarial relationship with kind of the, the old, the old core business, right? Cause the old core right. business is going to look at them and say, well, these guys are completely separated from reality. What, you know, what do they really know? Um, you know, this is you know, whatever. I mean, I have, I have targets hit. Um, on the flip side, the, the digital team guys look at them and say, well, they don't understand what's going on. So, um, you know, you, that's something that is, it's a very easy trap to fall into um especially you know things like death by a thousand pilots and so you just have to be you know i think when companies are thinking about it i think a each com- com- each company's culture is different but i think b being very crystal clear about what you actually want to achieve and then just making sure the team structure blends up like if a company really wants to be ultra exploratory then maybe having kind of people down at the country level you know all that structure that may actually slow things down um so <clears throat> I, I, I think it's, I think it's, um, you know, as a focused strategy, is it execution? Is it exploration? And then and I think you can take elements of decentralized and decentralized um, based on kind of what you want to achieve. So I don't, I don't think a completely decentralized model is necessarily the way to go. And I also don't think a completely centralized model is, is the way to go. I think, I think going both extremes. balance. It's a balance, right, between between process and governance and agility and, fun, and funding too, right? Because and that's funding where, and funding. Know, that, that's the, that's right. the big big pendulum swings in the funding. You know, does it get centralized? Right. Is there co-funding from well, you know somebody who is not responsible for a local PNL? Well, maybe I can give right. a little here, right? So it's always a well, fun that's exercise. Actually, I think that's also why historically a lot of the a lot of the initiatives have struggled to gain traction at the country level because a lot of the a lot of times. 
digital initiatives in pharma kind of use the, you know, the kids meal, the toy to kids meal model. <laughs> I, 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 um, I have to give credit. I think it was Eddie from Italy who I first heard. I think he said a DTX used to be like <laughs> pandemic. And that is one of the most brilliant analogies I've heard in a long time. So say it again. What is the analogy? Well, so his, so his whole thing is he's like, historically pharma treats digital therapeutics or digital therapies like a, um, like a toy and a kid's meal, right? It's basically <laughs> there. It, it's, it's, it's really just there as a trinket to, you know, talk about how innovative they are, right. but ultimately it's, it's, it's kind of useless, right? Um, <laughs> and the problem with that is that completely kind of, that completely brushes away the value that these kinds of digital interventions can actually bring patients. And they also just impact credibility, right? I mean, I think patients, physicians, everyone kind of sees through that. And ultimately they're going to make physicians are going to decide what's best for the patient. They're not going to look at, oh, this has a really cool initiative, right? Or, oh, pharma company X built a really neat looking app. I, I, I think that is kind of a, I don't think that's the right way to think about things. So, you know, I think, um, and, you know, when you look at people that are, that are on the hook for the PNL, something like that, if you can't kind of explain the business impact of it, um, good luck kind of convincing people at that level and, and rightfully so. Mm. Um, you know what yeah. he reminds me of it. Who, who was, who was our good friend that came up with the, uh, health artist, the health artist. Uh, Gautam. Yeah, Gautam Gulati. Yeah. Yep. So you, I, I think you're, you are a, what we call a health artist. Have you heard this before? I've you not. Know, so it's this whole idea of people that bring disciplines from science to, you know, pharmaceutical implementation to digital to technology together. And you're, you know, you're, you're making art through digital healthcare right now and you're bringing it all together. That's what I, I mean, well, I guess in that case, I guess you could consider the the um, the executive team, I guess, the patrons. Because the other thing is, I think what <laughs> I think what's been really interesting here. Uh, yeah, now I'm taking the analogy next, though, right? But um, which is interesting, especially because it's an Italian company, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, I mean, I think that's also important, right? I like think who better who better than an Italian company? You know, in terms there you of go. design and art, and yeah. <laughs> there you go. No, it, it, it's really important, right? I think um, you know people that really think about how to implement these. You know, putting them in the putting them in position. A, to succeed, but B, also just being willing to think in a contrarian way is, is um, yeah. it's, it's hard, right? It's, 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 it's not easy, especially, you know, for a company of, of our size. And so, um, you know, I think, you know, for example, like, you know, when, you know, when I first come and said, yeah, you know, what are, you know, we should really be thinking about outcomes in some cases, you know, even if it's not kind of directly linked to a medication, I mean, that's, that's not an easy thing for a pharma company to grasp, right? I mean, pharma companies right. have historically been all about medication. And so, sure. I mean, I think there, I think there's a number of other conversations going on at the company that also kind of help propel that, propel that view. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, you know, an artist can't, well, health artist, a health artist, if you will, can't really do anything <laughs> in a vacuum, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, um, Mr. Jim Joyce, I, I think this is like a perfect segue of what, to your question of, you know, what, what would an artist yep. say or whatever, but however you structure yep. it, you're, you're the man. So you're, you're, you're heading out of Little Italy in downtown Boston, you know, after a nice lunch and you're walking into Faneuil Hall and you're, you know, it's a sunny summer day and you see a young, uh, you know, young digital health uh, kind of apprentice that you had met before earlier at some kind of startup 
health mm-hmm. pitch event, you know, was referred to you and by Eugene and he looks at you and he says, you know, and he says, I got to talk to you. I have to talk to you. Um, um, I'm starting up a new digital healthcare company and I'm going to be working with the pharmaceutical industry. And I think it's the next biggest thing uh, that can ever happen. And like you, I'm a scientist by background. And mm-hmm. what, what advice would you give to that, uh, that young entrepreneur in Faneuil Hall? Yeah, and well, so I think number one is the biggest one I would probably say is be really, really, be really careful about qualifying conversations um, and just making sure that, because again, there's there's an opportunity cost, right? And, um, you know, the right initial partner can really make or break an early stage company, right? I mean, ideally, it's someone who not only provides the checkbook and kind of the, the logo on the pitch deck, but also um, is really able to offer you kind of real domain expertise to really help you attain your product. Um, you know, I mean, I think one of the most useful questions that I've kind of told people to ask when they had a conversation with pharma is, okay, if, if we do this, whose budget covers this, right? And A, that tells you <laughs> if there's appetite to pay, but B, it also tells you, is this kind of coming from the core bu- business? Is it kind of, you know, from a, from a fun budget, so to speak, in which case that's like the first thing to go when, when budget cut season comes around. So I think it also tells you to what extent the, the pain point you solve is relevant. Um, and then, you know, but I also think a lot of it is being pragmatic, right? So, um, you know, the sales cycles can be, the deal cycles for these kind of asset deals can be quite long. Um, you, know, be, you know, make sure you engage the company in the right stage. So if you're, you know, if you have a product that is you know, just getting off the ground, um, really think about whether pharma is really the best partner for you at that point. So, you know, I think that, it, you know, the biggest one I would say is just don't, you know, don't undersell yourself, right? Just because, you know, the other company in the room makes, you know, billions more revenue, billions of revenue or whatever. Um, they don't know how to solve your pro- the problem the way you do and which is why they're talking to you. And, you know, don't, don't ever, don't ever lose sight of that. Awesome. Bravissimo. Bravissimo. Lo- love it. <laughs> love it. Love it. Gra- grazie. Sh- shout out to my, my talent friends at, at, at Roberto and team. So I was just in Sal- Salerno the other day and we spent 11 days in Florence with my daughter. So I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like yeah. uh, I'm feeling good. Magnifico. <laughs> Amea, awesome having you on. And uh, for the millions of subscribers, pass it on. So we have more millions of subscribers and uh, see you next week. Thank you for having me. It's been always, always a pleasure talking to you, Gene, and then Jim. Just really nice meeting you. And thank Great you for, you. thank you for, thank you for listening to what I had to say for all the time. I really appreciate it. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Take care, guys. Cheers. Thanks. Bye.